Thank you. So, like the pastor said, my name is Dave Vandermeer. I'm from Hudsonville, Michigan, and I'm a member of Cornerstone United Reformed Church there. Uh, just a little background, I was a youth director at Cornerstone for 11 years, therefore why I'm at RYS conventions, right? And then uh, I was a principal at a small Christian school in Kalamazoo for 11 years, and then three and a half years ago, the Lord moved me so that I could work with Word and Deed Ministries. So that's kind of my brief background. But this, not this particular passage, but a similar passage was read this morning in, in terms of the law, right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. But there was a lawyer, and I'm not picking on your pastor there, but he wanted to justify himself and said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And then Jesus went into the story of the Good Samaritan and said, show mercy, go and do likewise. Basically learning that our neighbor is not just literally the person who lives next door to you. Our neighbor is everyone. It's all those we come in contact with uh, and learn about. So what is word and deed? Who are we about? So we're a Reformed Christian International Ministry who exists to improve the spiritual and physical lives of those in the developing world in service to Christ to heed his command to love our neighbors. So we got a bridge here, right? We got a gorge, we got a river running through it. So on the one side, as North American churches and individuals and businessmen, and on the other side, we have the indigenous churches or the local churches in their countries, all right? Scattered throughout the world, missionaries and Christian partners. And then word and deed serves to be the bridge then between those two groups. All right, so that's how we view ourselves. So we have three areas of emphasis. All our projects are going to have a gospel focus, not just to be done in the name of Christ, but that Christ is actually and actively proclaimed in our projects. We work with indigenous leadership, like I, I said before. We believe that they know their culture the best. They know their uh, circumstances, their communities. They know their language. And so our focus in the developing world is working with them. And now when I, I'm going to get into a little bit more what I mean by developing world so you have an understanding of what that is. And then also helping them in their situation learn what it means to be self-sufficient under Christ. And that is a longer process. A lot of people that we work with are in situations where they've been dependent for a very long time. So breaking that takes time. Learning that work is good, it's biblical, is what we do. Try to uh, help ourselves uh, in a biblical way. So a lot of ministries talk about partnerships. And Word Indeed has some partnership distinctives that I want to share with you. So, And why do we have these partnership distinctives is to make sure we are doing everything honorably. All right? In the Lord's sight, but inside of men. Word indeed vets every partner or it has an application project or vets every partner that we work with. And then we have written agreements between us. And oftentimes, even though we're working with churches, there's usually some kind of board or denominational board 
or some type of, of hierarchy structure that we are doing these written agreements with. We say what we're going to do, and then as part of the agreement, they are going to respond in what they are doing. Within that, they have semi-annual reporting. In other words, they send reports to us twice a year. Uh, it's usually an 8 to 10 page report. Uh, stating all the things they said they were going to do in the agreement, and this, and this is how it was accomplished within that. And then within that semi-annual reporting, they also send us financial statements on how monies were used to accomplish those goals. And then lastly, we meet with them often. I am in charge of projects that we have in Ecuador and Costa Rica, I was on a Zoom call with Costa Rica last week. I was on a Zoom call with Ecuador two weeks ago. But we also make annual visits under normal circumstances. But I was, I was in Costa Rica in April. That way we can see with our eyes what is being done uh, and what had been agreed to and it, and it is accomplished. So that's what it means for a partnership with word and deed that all these things are behind it and being done. So it was started in 1994 in Canada, and it's very, our very first project was in Guatemala. Uh, this hospital, which is a 70% self-sufficient hospital, and uh, it serves Mayan people that literally, it, it's in a decent-sized town, but literally people walk out of the hills to come to this hospital. In the United States, our very first project, we started in 2000, but our first project was 2004 and uh, an orphan care program. Some of you, especially if you've been in Escondido, may have heard of something called Cities for Christ Worldwide and Dr. Timothy Monsma. When Dr. Timothy Monsma retired, he asked Word Indeed to take this program over. So this started with him. And when he retired, we took that over and we continued to work with uh, this Malawi uh, orphan care program. Notice I didn't say orphanage. It's, it's done within families and communities because they look as themselves as family in a larger context than what we are used to in North America. So, some poverty statistics. Each of these little guys represents one billion people. So now you're going to start to understand developing world. One billion people live on $2 a day or less. Another 3 billion live on $8 a day or less. That's 70% of where Word and Deeds projects are. Okay? Uh, another 2 billion lives on $32 a day or less. And then 1 billion lives on more than $32 a day. Um, that's us. All right, North America, Europe, uh, other, a few other parts of the world. Uh, the air, I'll, I'll ask, how much does the average American live on? Does anybody want to gander a guess? Otherwise, that row with the four people that look like in an age group. Being a former teacher and a former youth director, you're just doomed. Because <laughs> I'm going to just naturally go to you. <laughs> so... <laughs> Anybody just want to gander a guess of how much we live on in America per day? Did I hear a 50? Okay. 90. $90 a day the average American lives on uh, compared to the rest of the world. Okay, out of that row and, and maybe a smattering. How many of you have part-time jobs? High schoolers with part-time jobs? 
Okay, I saw one hand, so one person admitted to it. All right. You are richer than six-sevenths of the world in your high school part-time job. That gives you some perspective of what it is to live like in America compared to the rest of the world. But with COVID, you actually have to throw that all out because of government decisions and lockdowns. The people who are, were making $2 a day are making $2 a day. Not when the government doesn't let you out of your house. Okay? Actually, not a house as we would think, a shanty. Um, there are no statistics that I know of right now. These statistics are from about two and a half years ago that I, that I was working with. So Word Indeed has 50-plus ongoing projects in 13 countries. These are the countries where we have ongoing projects, and I'll get to ongoing projects in a, in a couple moments. We also do one-time projects in disaster relief. So I'm going to start with one-time projects. A one-time project would be rebuilding a hut that burned down for a family in India. Right? Once the hut is up and done, the project's done. Providing medical equipment for a, a clinic in Ecuador or seed for food in India. You understand, the project's done, it's done. We also get involved in... Um, translating. We're not the ones doing translating, but the indigenous people and providing materials for pastors, poor pastors throughout the world uh, in different places in different ways. So that's what a one-time project looks like. Uh, I'll talk about our disaster response. Is anybody familiar with the book When Helping Hurts? I would highly, highly, highly recommend that. That, should, that almost should be standard deacon reading. If you're going to be a deacon, you should read that book, okay? Because it translates across the world, it's, and it's for at home. So part of this cartoon comes out of that, that book. I added the lightning strike, I believe, and I added the gospel message in there. So this is Word and Deed's model for disaster relief. We only get involved in disaster relief where our partners already are or have access to and good... Um, relationships with people. That is it. We don't get involved in every disaster there is in the world because we want that accountability uh, and making sure things are done good and in good order. We can't just respond to every disaster. So somebody's living their life. The disaster hits. That's the lightning strike, whether a fire, right, or hurricane, earthquake, whatever the disaster is. That hits the relief, we will get involved in relief through our partners for three to six months. And why three to six months is because by the time you get to six months, the new growing season has begun and we do not want them to become dependent on us. All right? There are still groups doing relief work. Now, there's, there's a difference between rehabilitation and development. There are still groups doing relief work in Haiti from the 2010 earthquake. And that doesn't work. All right? All you're doing is de growing dependency from people. So after three to six months is relief. Then we will move into rehabilitation, which is oftentimes rebuilding homes or rebuilding Christian schools. Uh, is you know, kind of getting things back to where they were. That takes some time, you know, two, maybe a couple years. And then in certain areas, we'll get involved in economic development. Um, and I have a brief video that kind of, from, from a, 
a hurricane from 2007 will show all the different ways word and deed went through those three processes with this group of people. So hurricane hit, pastors were sent in, uh, there were some relationships through mints, I believe, with this particular one. Uh, pastors were sent in, the gospel message went out, but they could no longer, you know, had to rebuild their places, right? Uh, but they were fishermen and then no longer could fish because the fisheries were destroyed and now had to become um, farmers. So there's the economic development, right? Fishermen learning to become farmers. Uh, so that's kind of the ideal situation. I mean, you don't want the disaster, but the idea. Last year, two hurricanes, which we were actually involved in the news actually was talking about, hit the exact same spot from where the video was. Um, so we were involved in there. Last year, we were involved with the Sudanese Reformed Church. Uh, if you're very familiar with Sudan, it used to be North Muslim, South Christian, a lot of fighting. South finally got its own uh, country, and then there was tribal fighting. Like they couldn't be done with the fighting. So because certain tribes get certain power, there's actually UN camps in certain spots in South Sudan. And within this UN camp, which has 17,000 people in it, there's an 800-member Reformed Church. And because of supply chain issues, which now we are dealing with in America, uh, we sent food aid to the church there, and then they will also share it with some of their neighbors as well. So in a normal year, Word and Deeds probably involved in three to five disasters a year. So the red ones... Last year was kind of the normal. There was flooding in Kenya, flooding in Uganda, drought in Indonesia, and then the hurricanes in Nicaragua, and I already talked about South Sudan. But because of COVID, Word Indeed got involved in 16 other food relief situations because of the shutdowns of, of these countries. So that's more than what we are, are, are very much used to. So... Malnutrition, poverty, and abuse spiked last year around the world. Poverty was actually coming down uh, over the last 20 years, was creeping down, getting less, getting less, and now we spiked back right above uh, uh, the gains that were being done. And our partner in Colombia tells us that abuse is up 175% from the year before during this time of COVID. Now imagine this. Um, like I said, most of the people we are dealing with are in shanties, uh, a lot of our work. If you live in a shanty town, you're living in a house that's about 10 by 14. Could be cement floor, most likely wood or dirt floor. You're living with anywhere from four to eight people. Uh, the walls of your house are that thin, and 
is actually you have neighbors on three sides of you, right? You just have the door and maybe a window and that's all you have. Uh, could you imagine now dad can't work even if there is a dad in the family? Most of these times in a shanty town, there's no dad. So dad can't work, but if he can, um, and you're four to eight people in a 10 by 14 area, 24 hours a day because the government won't let you out, can you imagine the tension that is in a situation like that? Of course, abuse is going to go up. Um, as you can't provide for your family, because these people, there's no unemployment insurance, right? There's no savings accounts. Uh, and you are just worried about survival. Uh, unfortunately, that's a recipe for people to lash out. So, uh, so just one... one uh, kind of statistic that has popped up in the last couple of months is the World Food Program says uh, the pandemic has worsened hunger around the world. That has nearly pushed 300 million to a food crisis and 135 million on the brink of starvation. That is beyond, that's, that's more people. There's actually, there are people in this situation before. This is moving that many more people into these types of situations. So in Word Indeed last year, I, I talked about that. We have projects in Ecuador, uh, after-school projects, and again, we were involved in many, many food situations multiple times, bringing food to different communities in Costa Rica, in the shanty towns, uh, helping these. And because these are grew, our programs, these after-school programs couldn't meet, could not meet, it caused our workers to bring Bible studies individually, visiting individual families, bringing Bible study, bringing food, which in some ways they said was really good because they got to know the families better, right? The mom or the grandma, whoever's in there. So that was really good, but it was a lot more work. Instead of 40 kids coming to you at a time, yeah, you can, you, you can do the math on that. So in India alone last year, uh, we helped 4,800 families, uh, mostly in the countryside. The rural people really were not being met. Uh, and if you're Christians, you're last in line in the Hindu government's list of people to get food aid. And then 10,000 meals just in the, the city of Hyderabad alone. So this year, we assisted two hospitals with supplies and nurses and a couple of doctors, Christian hospitals. And then this year through the ERC, and I'm going to talk about them a little bit more later, that's the Evangelical Reformed Church of India. Okay. Um, we helped 1,100 families of their denomination, and they then in turn helped 2,000 surrounding families uh, that were uh, homeless or vulnerable and also a leprosy colony. So one of the leaders of the leprosy colony said, we are lepers have been cared by you, as if you owe us love. We are all thankful. Many of us have read the Gospel of John, but what is outstanding in the book of John is the love of God for man, and we saw the love of Christ in you when you help and pray for us. So the Gospel uh, has been going out during this time. This is uh, a daughter and her mom. The dad passed away some years ago. The mom's blind in one eye. Their job is to sell balloons. That's their job is they sell balloons on street corners. Well, the streets are empty, so they are not working. They're not selling balloons. Uh, you can see their house in the background. It's just basically a tent. 
That's where they live. And so they were not getting food. So they were one of the people that received food help um, and also some wood because they didn't even have wood to, uh, the money to buy wood to make a fire. Uh, and so that is a pretty typical situation in India of where we are giving help. But there is, besides that one silver lining of in, in Costa Rica, are people getting to know the families. The other civil lining, two years ago, um, well, I should say in the last two years, 80% of these people were not Christians in this church. There is a silver lining to COVID. God in His you know, providence, almighty providence, is moving people as you receive something, right? Um, the Hindus, like I said, or the Muslims are not going to help. So the Christians come and help. And then it causes you, okay, why are you helping? We're helping because, um, you know, we believe in Christ and you are our neighbor. And Christ commands us to do this as part of our neighbor. And then they can go into a gospel message of what that all means. And that, when people are in a vulnerable situation, they're much more open um, to the gospel message than when you think you're self-sufficient within an American context, right? So... Uh, amazing what the Lord is doing. Uh, and then I'm going to show you a brief video of one of the food uh, distributions in India. Okay, maybe not. So last year alone, um, Word Indeed spent, or in the last year and a half, Word Indeed spent a million dollars on food and medical relief, COVID related alone. But thousands being helped in the Word of God. Uh, going out with this relief and many coming to know uh, Jesus as Lord during this. Another disaster happened this past Easter. If you follow the little lines that uh, is going around, that was a cyclone. We work uh, with 10 Christian schools in Indonesia and five were hit by the cyclone. And then so we are helping... Um, rebuild and, re and repair the Christian school so you can see somebody's house is destroyed uh, and then rebuilt. Uh, in Nigeria, we work with the Nigerian Reformed Church. Uh, and then in that area that circled, there was an attack by Fulani, Muslim Fulani herdsmen. Think of them as free grazers of the Old West, right? Free grazers, they're coming into town, there's problems. But in the last five years, it's estimated that 11,000 Nigerian Christians have been killed by Muslims. And so these herdsmen burned uh, many homes and businesses in two towns. Uh, they killed 136 people, injured over 185 people, and then some of these being from the Nigerian Reformed Church. And so we are involved in uh, three phases of um, helping them. We spent uh, 18,000 of immediate aid. Uh, we're going to spend about another 150,000 in rebuilding homes, first for the widows, and then also for the orphan children who lost their parents so they can have an education yet during this time. And then in Haiti, this actually made the news in the United States. Uh, we have a microloan program in southern Haiti. These are actually pictures of some of the people from the microloan program who lost their homes. People from our market loan program there died, uh, lost their homes, were injured. So we sent 10,000 in immediate aid and 
over 200,000 uh, is being worked on for rebuilding homes and restoring their micro, the microloan program there. And then we are also have a partner in Myanmar, but this is really about our partner, the Reformed and Presbyterian Church in Northeast India. There was a coup in Myanmar, people, there was a shootout in a town between the opposition and the military about a, a month ago-ish. So a whole bunch of people have fled Myanmar, have gone into Northeast India. These people are more oriental looking than you would think of the typical Indian looking people. Um, and this is a worship service of the Reformed and Presbyterian Church in Northeast India. So the government of India does not want to help these refugees because they actually want them to go back. So they're not going to help. The Reformed and Presbyterian Church is hoping to help uh, through the funds we send them, uh, help 500 refugee families uh, while they are there in, in their country in, in Northeast India. So, I've covered one-time projects and a lot of wor uh, disaster relief that we're doing right now. We're going to talk about ongoing projects. So think of it, it continues, right? 60% of what we do is after-school programs or Christian schools. Um, I think there's over 800... No, 800. There's over 8,000 children involved in our programs around the world. Um, so theological training, it's not us doing it. It's the indigenous church or working through seminaries that are in their area or like a mince program, raising the theological education of the people in their country. So medical uh, clinics that we'll help with, agricultural, vocational training, orphan support, and abuse and prevention. So these are our ongoing projects that, that continue. I'm going to talk about one project, uh, Education Plus, that is in three shanty towns in San Jose, Costa Rica. Um, you can kind of get a picture of what shanties look like a little bit better there than what I described. It uh, gives you the outside, but it's better for Bill to talk about this program than for me to talk about this program. So we often get asked, and I'll, I can describe this a little bit more later, how do you get involved in projects? Bill called us. You need to get involved in this, in the Shantytown program here. You, it's a perfect word and deed type of project. Please come in and help them. So over the application process, and now we do, we're totally involved in Education Plus. Bill talked about what they see as children. Juan Carlos, the director, is telling me, he is very concerned about prostitution because these kids aren't getting an education right now 
because of COVID. And so he's afraid the girls in the shanty towns are going to turn, some do, but he's afraid a lot more are going to turn to prostitution. So these are your typical family conditions, which I kind of described kind of described earlier. These are actual pictures from the shanty towns where we work. So Juan Carlos, who's the director of the program, is an elder in Bill Green's church there in Costa Rica and runs the and is over the program. Again, the indigenous leadership, that's who we work with, doing the work in their countries. So each shanty town has three Bible clubs, a three to nine year old program, a nine to thirteen year old program, and high school youth group. Okay, um, and so every week they have these programs. So there's nine Bible clubs done in each week. They use material that Bill has translated uh, with the children as the as the main thing that they are teaching uh, teaching the children. In Costa Rica, the kids can go to public school for free when it's open, um, but they have to come with their own uniform and their own school supplies. So Education Plus, make sure that these kids have that. And some facts due to COVID. Uh, Costa Rica is about 18 to 20% unemployment. They figure in the shanty towns it's 50 to 60%. Government has tried to introduce new taxes, nothing new there. They've had one month of school in the last two years. That's because there was a school teacher strike before COVID hit. So they have had one month of regular school. They've, they've had some schooling where you come in for a day and then you don't come back for three weeks. Uh, or they do some internet stuff, very little, but kids in shanty towns don't have internet access. So, um, so they started a program a year ago. Uh, Juan goes, uh, these kids need an education. So they hired a, part, a teacher that's part-time at Bill's school in uh, Secre. And so Vivian is teaching uh, three days a week in each shanty town to third through sixth grade kids. Um, so 120 kids are being tutored. They just added a second tutor to do math. About two months ago, they added uh, somebody to do computers for a few kids that could use that and an English teacher. Uh, they just, Juan sees an, an issue, a problem, and he figures out a way how to just get around the problem. I love it. He's my favorite. <laughs> well, it's my project, so he's got to be my favorite. So, so they work with 450 children or probably even more through the Shantytown program. Family visits now, you know, during COVID, but, or they did. About six months ago, Juan said, well, the government can tell me to stop. He started his regular programming about six months ago and says, when they tell me to stop, I'll stop. Well, nobody's telling them to stop. Gospel message in a dark place. Food distribution during COVID. Actually, we're sending them another 3,000 next week. 120 kids, and now it's even more being tutored. So that's one project in one country, and we have 50-plus projects in 13 countries. Um, the ERC, I mentioned them briefly, the Evangelical Reformed Church. Reverend Anupawali is kind of the national director of something called Mission of Peacemaking. In India, the church can't do something. But if you have a diaconal arm of the church with a different name, now you can do something. So, Mission of Peacemaking. A government official sees Mission of Peacemaking. You know, that sounds nice, Mission of Peacemaking. It's just the church, but just under a different name. It started with oversight from Oak Glen United Reformed Church in Lansing, Illinois. 
the mission or the work expanded, they could no longer oversee it as a church, asked Word Indeed to take it over. So another example of how Word Indeed gets projects. Um, so they do theological training in this building. This building was one of our one-time projects at one point. So they do multiple things in there. Some of it is theological training. Uh, they have after-school programs for, for our, um, Hindu children with the idea of, of um, you know, getting them to know Christ. But if I was ever going to pick a project that Word Indeed defines us is the, the project with the women, that project's for Hindu women that are Dalits or untouchables or Muslim women. Who, they're not allowed to go to school. They're not allowed to really work unless it's within their menial area. So it's a one-year program. If they stick through the program for one year, they get to keep the sewing machine. So now they have a skill. They can provide for themselves to some degree with the sewing machine. But they have daily devotions and chapels once a week. A lot of women have been converted under the sewing program through MPM. That is word indeed in a nutshell is that sewing program. So, In Ecuador, we, um, we have an Ecuadorian running a men's program that we fund. And, and then Neil Hageman comes once a year and usually leads a class or does a conference or something like that. Uh, we also have a, um, in Ecuador, uh, again, kind of an after-school program in a very, very slummy neighborhood of a town in the tropics. And just a couple months ago, Josh Vogel was sent from a URC church in Ontario, Canada to be a deacon working in Word and Deed projects in the tropics. So we really love that cooperation. South Africa, we're involved in hospice care and a Christian school. And in Malawi, the orphan care program that I mentioned earlier. So, by faith, by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. At times, Christians proclaim the gospel of the Lord without regard for the physical needs of their hearers. They tell the people about salvation, but they seem to forget that the poverty-stricken people need clothes and food to make the gospel relevant. Unless word and deed go together, unless preaching of the gospel is accompanied by a program of social action, unless faith is demonstrating loving care and concern, faith is dead. That's my favorite commentary series uh, from Dr. Uh, Kistemacher there. So we went on a whirlwind tour, and I got six minutes, and I got about four or five more slides just kind of follow up. So questions. <laughs> It can be a little bit overwhelming with the amount of information I throw you in a very short amount of time. So, so just, just walking in, I saw some literature uh, like sponsorship. Yep. Uh, that, no, that's one of the slides coming up, so I will, I will cover that. I did bring literature, some magazines about some of the projects that are going on. Please, I don't want to take it back to Michigan. <laughs> so, yes, there was a hand in the back. Yeah, I wanted to know, so being on this side, the church that we developed below, how do we help spiritually? Well, you know, the, the biggest thing that churches that are, you know, kind of come alongside Word of Deed is helping us with funds so we can help those churches, like taking a collection or being part of a, the missions budget. It, every church does it different, all right? 
Um, so it's up to the church uh, to decide what they want to do, if they want to do something, how they want to do it. So that's, that's how it's done. Then, you know, we also have individuals who then decide that they're going to be a part of it as well in what other form or fashion they want to do. So it's up to the church. So, yep. Oh, that type of work? Um, I, I'm sure I do, just give me, I'm drawing a blank. Well, in Nicaragua, I would, I would say, you know, teaching them to become farmers would also fall into that category um, as well um, because now they're learning and then Reformed churches were planted because of all that as well at the same time. Uh, we also in Haiti, um, I just have to think of vocational training because we're doing it in more places. And um, In Haiti, we have a program uh, where we just helped a Christian school build a trade, not a trade school, but a trade area within the school so that they can learn a trade there in Haiti and then take that on uh, into that. We're actually going to be building a building for Education Plus in Costa Rica. And again, it's going to have tutoring now, Bible studies, but also they are learning how to take skids apart, or pal pallets, you guys stay here, where I come from with skids, but pallets. Uh, in fact, one of the magazine covers has that picture. A kid learning from uh, the um, shantytown. He's a, he's a shantytown kid. Taking a pallet apart, sanding it down, putting it back together in a furniture form, and then they usually stain it and they sell it and they make money. More than they've ever seen in their lives just doing that. And that was a URC girl that's 26 year old, works construction, went down to Costa Rica to teach those boys how to do that. I just, it just, it floors me sometimes what, what just happens. Any other questions? Yes, sir. South America, not really. I mean, Nicaragua, you're going to probably run into some. Uh, India is, gonna, is dicey. Uh, with the food program, local governments though allowed us allowed our partners to do the food program because they knew the people were hurting and they were more than willing to turn a blind eye for a time at least. Uh, Indonesia, one of our partner pastors has moved five times. Uh, interesting. In Indonesia, the schools are called reformed schools, so we know what that means. But in Indonesia, that means change. So the government goes, oh, school of change, that's wonderful. <laughs> so so at different places, it's different things. So I just want to finish up with a couple. How can you be involved? Please be in prayer for us um, for a gospel message. Stay informed. That's why I brought those magazines, all right? This is our newest one here. Um, this one's a little bit more of an educational one. We're on YouTube. We have YouTube videos. We're on Facebook. So updates, if you want just now, you know, an instant update of what's going on. We probably put something on Instagram about once a week. It's not all the time, right? Facebook too, when there's something to tell you. We have country videos where you can learn. A lot of homeschool families use these because they come with packages, and I have information on that. Actually, one of the articles in the newest magazine actually describes that program. 
Um, so, and one of the Christian schools in Visalia uses it. I got to speak at that Christian school in a month. They love it. And then we have child sponsorship programs. So within our Christian schools that we work with, we have two programs. Well, we have a child sponsorship program, just like you see child sponsorship on TV, right? It's the same idea, except for we're the Reformed version of child sponsorship on TV. And then also a Malawi orphan care project uh, where you just get one update on the whole project once a year, all right, for $6 a month. So we have two different, uh, two different things. And then prayer requests for us, it's really based on all the things I've been, been telling you. Um, and thank you. And I will hang around. I'll answer any questions that you didn't want to ask in front of everybody yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> that you wanted to do. So uh, another thing that I do if I'm ever back in the area... I speak on poverty, like give adult Sunday school things on poverty. Actually, I speak to youth groups on this subject too, poverty and persecution. You know, sometime I'm back in the area and you would like to hear, you know, something more on that kind of a subject, more than willing to come back and talk about those two things. I, you know, I speak at schools on these things. Mid-America has me come once every two years and, and speak on it too there to their students. So love to do... Uh, that here too when I'm back in the area sometime. So, thank you. Do you want me to close in prayer a minute? Yeah, no problem. Dear gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we come to your throne of grace uh, in this morning hour and we thank you, Lord, that we could hear your word proclaimed and hear of wisdom. There is so much lack of wisdom uh, in this world because man wants to go in his own direction just like the first sin of Adam and Eve, of wanting to go in their own direction and rebel against you. We see the rebellion around us in our country and in our world. Uh, help us, Lord, as your people, to follow your word and not be in rebellion of it. Help us, Lord, to teach others and our neighbors and to tell them of the goodness of Jesus Christ. Lord, be with those who suffer for your name. Uh, whether it's in Nigeria or other places in this world or where they're threatened, in Indonesia and in India. Lord, may they stand up for the truth. Give them the wisdom that they know to know what is right to do in difficult circumstances. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you give the leadership of all the different projects around the world uh, wisdom to follow what is right and good according to your word. We thank you, Lord, for this time and for us to get to know each other. And we pray, Lord, for a blessing on this church as it is salt and light uh, in this community here in Santee. Now we pray all this, Lord, in our blessed Savior's name, for Jesus' sake, amen.